we've had a pretty solemn spirit, which is good. Sometimes we can just get caught up in the laughter, and that's good. <clears throat> As I said earlier, this even the time change shows just how much we let our flesh rule us. How we complain. and So many things in life. Romans 8.28 still in there. All things work together for good. Those that love God and are called according to His purpose. That's fine. You watch somebody else go through it. When it's my turn, it's not a good verse. <clears throat> God locates us in so many ways. And we have presented the gospel <clears throat> in such a weak way. We present it of coming to Jesus and he'll take you to heaven. Your sins will be forgiven. He'll bless you. To get saved, you come to meet Jesus Christ or you don't get saved. Those are the effects of, but it's not the reason for. And he's trying to make that more real in me every day. That you're on this earth for one purpose. To get to know him. And if you don't, you're doomed to into eternity. How can you get know him in every area of your life? Only by his leading. Only by what he puts in you. It's kind of like Angie said, well, I go, she couldn't make something happen. Lord, we're here for your purpose. We're here for you to do in and through us. I'm back to Philippians 2.13. I can't get away from it. I don't want to. For it's God who is at work in you to will and work for His good pleasure. And we make it about ours. If I get saved, everything will be okay. That's Mother Goose. I heard a man say years ago, I'd like to find the guy that told me I'd turn everything over to Jesus. It'd all be okay. I mean, he took that as like, it's like me, I, I keep telling you about what I thought the spirit-filled life would be. It was me and Jesus floating around on a cloud above all the, the issues. In this world, the Bible says you will have tribulation. Because our flesh, we're, we're anti-Christ in a lot of ways. We're anti-Christ when we don't obey God. Right? That's anti-Christ. We think anti-Christ is what they do. They see it probably more in us than we do. But what he starts, he finishes. You're a work in progress. He's going to finish what he starts. 
You can go kicking or screaming. You can just choose to go the other way. And there's no lone rangers in Christendom. If you don't have friends, that's your problem. You don't want friends. We need to be surrounded by the right people. More than we know. And if you still, I'll read you a verse about this in a minute. I didn't plan on it this morning, but I, it's just across the page from where I was reading. I remember those times. I just couldn't wait to get to be with my buddies. Even as an adult. Those pulls aren't from all from the Lord. I want to read this morning. I want to start in uh, the book of Jeremiah. It's a book you read through slowly because it's a, a lot of woes in it. But I like it. <clears throat> My dad wanted to, marry, wanted to name me Jeremiah. But mom won out, I guess. But Jeremiah 18 is an interesting story, and it's pretty simple. <clears throat> Pardon me. I want to read a few verses out of it. Now, Jeremiah is just doing what he wants to do, but it says, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord. So he didn't think this up. And he said, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will announce my words to you. And we want to say, God, just, you just tell me and I'll do it. And you know what again? We're trying to tell God what to do. That's where he says it's getting a little crowded up here on the throne. You need to get off. Scoot over. Arise and go to the potter's house. God, you can speak wherever. See, there's people who think, and he can speak wherever we are. I pray the ones that ought to be here this morning get a word from God that they ought to be here. But a lot of those places we get so easily distracted from what he wants us to do. When you get to the potter's house, I will announce my words to you. So Jeremiah is obedient. I went to the potter's house, and there he was, there the potter was, making something on the wheel. But the vessel, and Lord, this is your words, and I'm just, Holy Spirit, have your way. But the vessel that he was making of clay was spoiled in the hand of the potter. So he made it into another vessel, as it pleased him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. Can I not, O house of Israel, deal with you as this potter does, declares the Lord. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of ascension, Skytook, Israel, America, the earth. You know, for years when I would read <clears throat> verse 4, 
the vessel he was making was spoiled in the hand of the potter. So he remade it into another vessel as it pleased him. And I believed for a long time, because I didn't always walk with God, I would not be what he really intended for me to be. Listen, I have been the prodigal. Maybe I'm not the only one that's ever been the prodigal here. I have been the elder brother. Maybe I'm not the only one that had it all figured out and could tell you how to do it. But see, I believe, well, because of that, that's me. I'll never be what God had to redo it. See, that was a lie I believed for a while. I don't believe it now. Let me tell you, everything you've walked through, I didn't, I'm not saying God made you walk through what you walked through. We walked through some things of our own choices. But there's some of those fires that burned some of that other stuff out of me that made me not want to go back down that road again. Is it time to get back up on the wheel and let the potter do what he wants to do? Are you really where you think you ought to be in life? If you are, I'll let you preach today. I mean, it's a challenge for every one of us to let him do and be in us what he says he is, he will do. And I'm back to Philippians 13 again. For it's him that's at work in me to will and work for his good pleasure. And every time, and last week we talked about the soulish areas, how easy it is to let your soulish area, which is your flesh that hadn't been made like Jesus, every time we let that flesh lead us, I'm wrong every time. And there, listen, there's a lot of good things we do in the flesh. There's more things, I'll say, in churches today that looks like ministry that's probably of the flesh than it is of the Spirit. Because we think we've got to, let's get this going. Let's make something happen. Maybe we ought to just be still and see what he'll do. Angie can't make revival happen. The harder you try to make you look good, the worse it's going to get. It's time to get back on the potter's wheel. I mean, he's a perfect God. He's a perfect Father. And what he started in you, he will finish. And I don't care who you are or who you think you are. Someday you're going to stand before him. And all the things you can spit out about what you did, he may go, 
get out of the road, I'm about to throw up. Just listening to that. Because our goodness, it says, looks like filthy rags. The, the best day we've had looks like filthy rags compared to God. It says do good works. It says help the poor. It says give. So every person that comes up to you and asks you for something, do you, or you just give them something? Or is the verse true that said, these are the sons of God that are led by the Spirit of God? Which is right? Well, they're both right. But it's a process of trying to learn that. To know Him is what it's about. To know the one that wrote this book. This word is only true. It's true. But how do you get that truth into you? When does that truth become alive in you? It's alive when you, when you really believe it and begin to activate it in your life. If you're just saying, yeah, I believe it, and you're not about what He's leading you to do, James says you're a hearer, but you're not a doer. How do we sort this out? How do we let him be who he says he is in us? Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. The potter. Verse 5 said, The word of the Lord came to me again, saying, Can I not do, O house of Israel? Can I not? deal with you as a potter does. Can he not work in your life the way he wants to? How obstinate, how resistant are we to what God wants to do? Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. Your, your breath is in his hand. Your, your heart is in his hand. Your life is in his. Mine is. And we think we're separated from the world. But it's hard to turn it off, isn't it? Those pulls. What are you going to do this afternoon? What's important to you? Where are you going to go? What do they think? Where's... Lord, what are we going to do? And I, I, I'm not saying he's going to tell you every, every word. But he wants us to get to know him. See... My DNA is in Angie because I'm her father. Now, if God is your father, 
Is God your father? His DNA is in you. And that other stuff that comes out, you need to get rid of. That other stuff that comes out, you need to let him have. You need to repent of it. And you say, I, I know it's wrong. Those thoughts, I mean, you can't control. You'll get, it gets easier. But I mean, there's thoughts that come through our mind that's not of God and it's not things we want to do. They're to tempt us or just to get us distracted. But it's a process of letting him be who he says he is. Are you in his hand? Is his nature been put in you? Do you have a desire to get to just know him? Or do you just want to know enough about him that you can get through life and do what you want to do? I'm saying we have so bought into Christendom, I'm saved, and bless God, He's made me here. You're not, you should be an example. But it's of that inner person that's in you that He wants to shine. Not how rich or famous or pretty or cute you think you are, it's to glorify Him. It's about Him. Can I not, O house of Israel, deal with you as the potter does? I'm telling you, He's dealing with America. Do you think these snowstorms where they don't have snowstorms, having floods where they don't need floods, you think that's just an accident? I mean, that's just God... Moving, and I'm not saying they're worse than we are. I mean, God is just moving in all the earth. I mean, you can hear, I didn't read you any of the bad news that I read this week, or any, some of it, because there's lots of it. But how do we get to know this God See, we don't want to come and just lay our lives down and say, God, you do with me what you want to do. Because we have our schedule. Oh, well, you can do it between now and 12 o'clock. Lord, you're good. There's a couple of verses I want to read out of Jeremiah 17. I just read them just because I've got them marked. And it's just across the page. Verse 5. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man or the person who trusts in mankind. If you think someone else is your Savior, you are really deceived. If you're connected to someone and they made that much to you, you're really deceived. And I, listen, I've had my heroes and mentors and people I looked up to. I've had a couple of messages the last two days of some kind of ladies or women uh, 
phone messages. And this one asked me, how are you? I thought, well, maybe it's somebody I knew. I said, well, I'm fine. Who are you? Jesus loves you. They text back, so you think you're Jesus? I said, no, it's obvious I'm not Jesus, but you need Him as your Lord and Savior. I've had two of them. I mean, they're just fishing things to distract. But if you look to someone else and you're letting them lead you around, that verse says, cursed is that person who trusts in another person and makes the flesh his strength and whose heart turns away from the Lord. You're more interested in a person than you are in God. Verse 7 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is in the Lord. Then it goes on how God will take care of you. You'll be like a tree planted by the waters. God will take God takes care of His own. But if His it, his nature, His DNA is in us, we ought to want to be like Him. If we're still screaming and hollering about our rights or I'm mistreated or I didn't get recognized or, well, guys, this don't work for me. You need to get back on the wheel. You need to allow the potter to do what he wants to do in your life. If his DNA is in you, why is it not working in you? There's just one reason. It's you. I'm the only one holding up God in my life. I'm the only one I can change. I, I'm, I'm beseeching the Lord. I'm praying for you. I'm believing God that you will be the disciple that He wants you to be. That you will fulfill what God has for your life because, look, it is not your way, it's His way. And you can think you're stubborn or I don't care if you're as old as Dixie and I, it doesn't make a flip. He don't care. He can still, He wants to change us to make us more like Him. That's just what He's about. That's He... That's who he is. That's his nature. At one moment I might speak concerning a nation, concerning the kingdom to uproot it or pull it down or destroy it. If that nation is against which I have spoken, turns from its evil, I'll re relent concerning the calamity I've planned to bring it. Lord, I pray you're not one to Condemn America. Lord, we repent. But it's the church that needs to repent. No, it's the heathens. If the church repents, and the church is who God's called us to be, they'll want to be like us. They'll want to come. You know why I know it's not working? Where's your friends and neighbors this morning? Where's the ones you're bringing in? No, we're saying, oh, this is good. Let's just enjoy it. To hell with you. You can go to hell. If you've got the nature of God in you, you'll have those people on your hearts. Where's that? Oh, it's too early this morning. I couldn't get it up. 
That's just your thinking flesh. You're going to do what you want to do when you want to do it with whom you want to do it with. Frank Sinatra wasn't the first one. I've done it my way. And it's still going on, isn't it? Don't shout me down this morning. Let me show you a verse. Let's go to 1 Peter. I was going to, I had planned to preach in, in Peter this morning. I want to show you a verse. Verse 3. First chapter of Peter, first verse. It's the third verse, excuse me. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again as a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now it says, Blessed is God the Father. He's the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. But God, who according to His great mercy, has caused us to be born again. And that's the only time, and I, and I, I didn't write down the Greek word that's only used, in, I know in the New Testament, that just talks about God, God is the one who has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, it's God the Father's idea for you to get saved. But to get saved means you come to Jesus Christ. He is the only Savior. He's the only one. You can memorize the Bible and go to hell. Who killed Jesus? The Pharisees could probably quote the first five books of the Bible and probably a lot of Psalms. And yet they killed the Savior. Can a book save you? If you read it, it says it can. It points you to a person. Not a plan. Not a method. It's very singular. It's all about the King of Kings who sits on the throne. Does it not say he paid a great price? Listen, the more I pay for something, the prouder I am of it. Whether it's a horse or a car or whatever it is. In 1 Peter 17, uh, let's see, 18. Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers but with the precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. Why did he pay the price, such a price for you and I? For all men, he paid the price for everybody. But why? That's a love I don't know about. But see, He's put it in my DNA and it's growing in me. It's growing in you. It's to be used for His purpose in His kingdom. Whatever your vocation is, it needs, you need to have Christ in it with you. I'm not saying 
he, he's trying to just make us all stay up here all the time. No, he wants us to go out and be who he says we could be. And if we're not, we need to get back up on the wheel and let the potter finish doing what he wants to do in your life. You're more interested in you than you are him. I, I still can't get over a story I heard years ago of some people that lost a, a young son. Next Sunday or two, they was right back in church, their hands raised. How can you do that? You just lost your son. We realized we were more concerned about our son than we were his son. Now put that in your theory box and see where it fits. You'll see how much flesh you have because it's all about you. You didn't get your way. I ain't got a raise. I'm not sure I married the right person. I may want to, I'm going to talk about that a little bit. Look at chapter 3 in 1 Peter. I, I challenge you to read that first chapter of Peter. There is so much in that. It's hard to just preach a verse or two out of that. But I want to talk about, we've been on the families, I want to talk about that. In the same way you wives... Be submissive to your own husband. Listen, there's people now, I've heard of in weddings, they, they say, no, we're taking that out. Well, don't ask me to do your wedding and take it out. To your own husbands. That means you're not to be submissive. You don't have to be submissive to every man. So that even if any of them, if any of your husbands or disobedient to the word, that they may be one without a word, without you even speaking by the behavior of your wives. Ladies, that's a great challenge. That's a great challenge to every lady. But men, if we read down further, it says you husbands in the same way. Verse 7. <clears throat> You're to live... A life that somebody would want to be like you is what that's talking about. And it is not always easy. It is on the honeymoon. It is for a while. But is the Word of God not true? It's not good for man to be alone. As they, verse 2, observe your taste and respectful behavior... Your adornment must not be merely external, braiding the hair, wearing gold, jewelry, putting on dresses. He's not against those things, but said, here's what's important, the hidden person of the heart. I mean, you're not spewing out what's wrong or I don't like. It's being like Jesus with the imperishable quality of a gentle, a gentle and quiet spirit which is precious in the sight of God. For in this way in former times the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves being submissive to their own husbands. Just as Sarah obeyed Abraham. I mean, he even gave her away a time or two. Calling him Lord. And she called him Lord. 
And you've become her children if you do what's right without being frightened by any fear. She was in another king's harem for a few days. But God protected her. Verse 7, you husbands in the same way. Live with your wives in an understanding way. As someone who is weaker since she is a woman. And show her honor. Men say honor. As a fellow heir of the grace of life. So that your prayers will not be hindered. Men. How's your prayers going? If they're not. If you're not right. With your wife. It says your prayers are going to be hindered. God's. The home is still God's great frame up to make two people into one. And we, we don't want to. We don't want to go that way sometimes. We've been listening to a CD at home. They've got a song in it that says, uh, Married and in love. Married and in love. It's great on the honeymoon. <clears throat> I remember as a teenager, my deaf aunt was, I don't know how old she was. She hadn't been married and she got married and she came to my grandparents and I was staying with them and I'd never been around anybody as embracing and smooching as as they were. You know, it's pretty awakening for me. But I like that song. It says, Married and in Love. She's not your old lady. So obviously he can't be the old man. Go ahead and refer to one another by their first names. She's not, you're not mama and papa. And how can you call it a marriage without intimacy? Show love to your spouse. Model that to your family. Ecclesiastes 9 Nine says, enjoy life with a woman whom you love all the days of your fleeting life, which he will give to you under the sun, for this is your reward in life in which you toil, in which you have labored under the sun. He said, and that's what you're going to get out of it, is enjoy that time with your wife. So, <clears throat> it's not good for a man to be alone, so it's not good for a woman to be alone. I don't think you young people, I don't think you have to pray about whether it's God's will that you marry. I think it is God's will for you to marry. But I promise you better pray about marrying the right one. It's heaven or hell, depending on those choices. <clears throat> I think my grandparents clinging had a good marriage. <clears throat> But my grandmother said, I would have left if I'd have had anywhere to go. But she stuck it out and they were married, I don't know, 65, 70 years. And they were, they modeled love for one another. Find the right spouse. Ladies, if he doesn't have a job, forget him. 
He should be able to afford you. I mean, you're worth a lot. You are. And guys, if her question is, how much do you make? Run fast. And I tell you, there's some manners you need to teach your kids. I went to Luigi's this week with a friend, and we met another guy. And they serve the rolls and the vinegar and oil and garlic. And so they just brought two of them out, and there's three of us. I took one of them. I don't know if I took a clean fork and raked some of it out or if I poured it. I don't remember. On my little tray. So I have my own dipping. But the guy next to me takes a bite of his bread and dunks it in the whole thing. I thought. I mean, teach your kids some manners. Teach them. You'll be somewhere and they'll say, Hey, Mama, look. They gave me two forks. What do I do? What's that about? Well, I know there's some bigger issues than that, but most meals aren't made for just one bite. Meals are not designed to be a race. And what about manners? What about please pass or thank you? I promise you, I think Dixie we're cooking, I thank her for passing me something or doing something. I mean, just me and her there. I mean, it's just, you better practice it. Why don't you model it at home? Hey, Mom, great meal. How about that one? How about thank you? And what about all the families being at the table? I really think that day should start out that way, but I, I know in some cases that's hard. And you know what? <clears throat> it doesn't hurt to wake them up and get them up because in life they're going to have to learn that and they might as well learn it at home. Because if you let them be lazy and slothful, they'll carry that on through life. I know it was my mom would holler us, time to get up. Because we sure didn't want Dad to. If he did, we knew. We better, you hit the floor. But I'm telling you, you've got God's DNA in you. We're, ra we're raising up world changers. Harold and Whitney are raising up world changers. They've got more than two, but these... The two babies, I almost said last two. I don't know about last two, but these two that you've got. The greatest thing they can do is raise up kids that will change the world. Yeah. World changers. The greatest thing I'll ever do is what my family does. I believe that. Breakfast, start the day together if you can. And of an evening, it certainly should be gather everyone around. I'm some of you, uh, you're, I know you're busy, 
but you're living, you're going to look back and see what a great time in your life this really is. And yet, we're so worried about what else is next, we don't enjoy the moments. And the older you get, the more time you're going to spend together. You better get to know them. I think this last Thursday, I left the house maybe just to go to the barn and back. I mean, Dixie got to enjoy me all day long. <laughs> now, some of you, that'd be enduring. How much of a good thing can you enjoy? Hey, it's a lot better now than it was. We enjoy one another. I'm wanting her to get healthy enough we need to make a road trip. I'm about out of jelly. I need to go to Branson and get some jelly. <laughs> Philippians 2.13 is still true. Quit complaining about the circumstances and say, God, you're, where are you at in this? What are you going to do about it? I've, I've been in that, and I wanted to do something and get, mm, just wait. And then I've been in it when I got in it, and I wish I hadn't have. Let him work it out. Let him work it out. Get back up on the wheel. Galatians 4, 19, for Paul said, I'm preaching to you, children, until God, until Christ is formed in you. You know what the will of God is? That is the will of God. For Jesus Christ to be formed in you. If God's your Father, and He puts His DNA in you, it ought to come out. And we've been talking about deliverance. We've been talking about other things. I'm telling you, Dixie and I, we can't tell you all the places we went to learning, getting prayed for, working through things. It's, it wasn't always wanting to be home. It wasn't always that way. Because that old soulish area that hadn't been redeemed wants to take us the way it wants to go. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And he that started a work in you will finish it if you'll let him. And I challenge you today, if you're letting your flesh lead you and you're just, you can't get around to it, you can't do this, you need to hit the altar this morning, get back on the wheel, the potter's wheel, and let God finish what He started in you. If you're griping and complaining, you need to come back down. Come back here and just tell God out loud what a mistake He's making in your life. See what He says. I challenge you that He is what He says He is or we're wasting our time. He is. I attest to the fact He is. And you won't get too old for Him to bless you or correct you.
And if you think you are, you're the most deceived person. And if you think you can't get changed, that God can't change your life, you're believing a lie. <clears throat> I started out with that illustration of saying, I thought because I didn't always walk with Him, He couldn't do what He really wanted to do. Ha, huh, what a joke. How wrong that is. To say God can't do what He wants to do with anything He wants to do. That's a person. He's working in you. He's working in your family. If you're alone, you stand for it. If you want a spouse, believe God for it. Believe God for it, for the right one. Model in your home what God is doing. And if He's not, you need to be down here this morning. Get back on the wheel. Let God do what He wants you to do. In those areas of your life, you know is something that's habitual. You can't get over it. You need to get on the wheel and say, God, perfect this. Give me the help. Show me who to help me get through this. And if you've never walked the aisle and confessed, I want Jesus Christ in my heart. I want to know Him. Today's your day to come. Today's your day. If you've never been baptized, you need to come and get that right with God. You're disobedient. Amen, Brother Gerald. Let's stand. Holy Spirit, thank You for Your presence. Lord Jesus, I thank You Lord God, that you've chosen us and called us. And Lord, you've got a plan and you've got a purpose. Just turn it down a little, Richard. Are you going to obey God? Or are you going to just I'm going to keep my schedule the way I've got my schedule. I've got it worked out, and it's working pretty good for me. You're believing a lie. Just come to Him. Just come to Him. Come get back up on the wheel and let Father God finish what He started in you. Is His nature in you? See, you can be awakened to God. You can be in the church all your life. You can be baptized and not know Jesus. Lord, we bless You and honor You. Just come to Christ this morning. Counselors will help you. Just come. Anybody want to know Jesus in a greater way? If He's showing you an area, let's give it to Him this morning. If we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness.